I'm going to read Jay's note out loud. It's a ramble. Why is this guy so <laughs> fucking mad? TBH like he is just evil. Like it sucks he got <laughs> left for dead, but he killed the boyfriend and he's torturing you guys and killing other people indiscriminately. Like he was a killer before you hit him. <laughs> Hey guys. Hi everybody. We're back again so soon. We hope you enjoyed part one. We definitely enjoyed talking about it. That's why we couldn't shut up about it and we had to break it into two parts. Can you guys believe we're back for a second part? Can you believe? We just hope you are glad to hear from us two days in a row. We hope that you are so glad to hear from us that you will leave us a review. And in fact, what are we doing before we get into the episode, Jay? We are going to make good on our promise to shout out some of our five-star reviewers, some people that left really nice reviews on our podcast on Apple Music. You guys could be one of these people next week. This week's five-star reviewers are Devin Marie B., who said that this is exactly the nostalgia craving you are looking for. So thank you, Devin. We love you. We hope you're listening. Nostalgia is why we do it. The other wonderful review came from LLAMPE402, and I'm sure that there's a way to say that that's not the way I said it. But hopefully they can forgive me and continue to listen. And they said our podcast was great with an exclamation point. So I hope they're not running around leaving notes in Jennifer Love Hewitt's mailbox. But I'm glad to hear from them. (laughs) You guys, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we will shout you out. We also want to take the opportunity to say thank you to two of our very, very fave community members on the Patreon Taylor and Meredith, you guys left us super, super nice messages that we can't get over. We can't stop talking about. Um, Join our Patreon and we will share the love with you too. All right, let's do part two, babes. Let's get into it. give me a letter that you say came for me in the mail that doesn't have postage on it i am running the other way you're dreaming you are dreaming you are not handing <laughs> there me is that. anthrax in that envelope yes the <laughs> only way to get a letter in my mailbox without postage is to have physically walked your creepy ass over here and put your swirmy little fingers in my mailbox absolutely not i'm not opening it she doesn't even hesitate Stay and the mom, mom. I think if it was our mom going, hey, this came from you in the mail, she'd be like, and someone clearly dropped it off. That's weird, right? Like, who's not going to notice absent postage? So Julie's mom gets (laughs) docked for that. (laughs) She's not thinking. Julie's mom's not thinking. She's not thinking. And she opens it and it says, this was the funniest motherfucking thing about this whole movie. She opens Mm -hmm. it and it says... I know what you did last summer, exclamation point. And I was like, wait, why does the, it is utterly robbed of any horror element with that Mm -hmm. exclamation point. She opens Mm -hmm. it and she's like, oh my God, they've exclaimed that they know what I did last (laughs) summer. It's so dumb. It reminds, it's like the fucking front desk girl wrote a reminder on a post-it note and it's like, she doesn't want to be too harsh about it. So she adds an exclamation point. It's like, why the fuck? 
<laughs> I know what you did last summer. No exclamation point is so much more effective. It's so much more ominous. It's so much more oh, yeah. ominous. The exclamation point is hilarious. It feels like a scene out of scary movie. Like, why is there an exclamation <laughs> point? I mean it. For she, real. He means it. He means that he remembers like really, really hard. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. But she is freaking out pressed. she's mad yeah, she is spooked. she immediately starts crying the only way that she can handle it is to cuddle up with the absolute ugliest pillow i have ever seen in my yeah, life it's mania it's insane so she wakes up bright and early the next morning refreshed from the cuddle with this hideous pillow and goes to find helen yeah she puts on her like what i call her sad overalls which is like i feel like Buffy oh yeah has a pair of the sad 90s overalls depression too. overalls the depression 100%. overalls yeah exactly <laughs> she put those on they go with her spidery stringy bangs um and she goes down to helen and her sister elsa's family's store um elsa's a fucking bitch again it's so crazy it's like my biggest gripe this whole movie i'm like make it make sense what is the scene that they cut out that explains this but she's like hey it is weird to me and it is i think telling of the technological limitations at the time that she does not know where her friend is she's like can i get helen's new york number assuming that helen has not come back to new york for the summer because she's not in college and you don't take seasons off in new york she just lives in new york and her sister shitty elsa immediately goes a fact check if you're looking for helen you can find her in the fragrance you know section whatever so she goes over and (laughs) helen is so sort of shocked but happy to be like oh my god when did you get back like This was her best friend, man. And she says she did go to New York for a little while, but it didn't work out. And I think you were talking about this earlier where it's like that actually is what happens to 75% of people that do go to New York and try to like, A, just live in New York. But it's what happens to 99% of people that go to New York and try to be actresses. I mean, or LA, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like she had lofty dreams and I'm sure that she had a lot of hope, but it's even if this i do think you're supposed to think that because of what happened like her mood was changed she like, couldn't keep it the together, same way yeah. that julie's mood was changed but this is what may have happened either way and i do think that that is the, i think so too the like urban legend like allegory of this movie right yeah is like, like in the movie they gave it a face they gave it a person yeah that is the reason you like you lose your idealism and there's like a hard shift and then you just have to like be an adult and be kind of sad about how hard yeah. life is. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I did not think that. And I did not pick up on that, that it's like, they actually all their plans just don't work in a totally normal way that things don't work out for people. But in this movie, they've given it a face and they've given it like it stalks them this like reason they can never fully live up to their potential. Yeah, that's super. Yeah, that's very interesting. But basically, she's like, has Barry seen this? And it's news to Julie that, in fact, Barry and Helen have broken up. It's not news to me. Barry is a fucking dickhead. Yeah. And I, like you said, probably none of them wanted to spend any time together. And it's news to Helen that Julie hasn't seen That they Barry. don't hang out yeah. at school. Which, honestly, that would be so much less news to me. Because who the fuck would want to hang out with Barry the second you were out of high school? hang out with that guy. Yeah, 100%. You'd be like, I actually cannot wait to never know you ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but... They have Sarah Michelle Gellar like chain smoking in this movie, which I love. They, I think they're trying to like build up this like white trash thing that she's sort mm-hmm. of like she's got her bra straps out and she's got her cigarettes. Um, but they decide to go over to Barry's. This is a Freddie Prince Jr. podcast. Here's what I want to know. First, Julie goes to Helen. Then Julie and Helen decide to go to Barry. Ray is, in fact, the very last stop that they even think of and beyond that they just run into him on accident 100 she seeks out the other two and i that again i feel like our theory 
I think there's some missing information here. I think Barry and Helen and Julie grew up as best friends. I think that mm. they were popular. And then I think Ray and Julie fell in love. And that is what gives him this sort of like outsider mysterious thing where they never quite trust if he really is on the same page as them. And then add on to the fact yeah. that, that, that he was driving and he might have different motivations. But you're bringing that in. That's not in the movie. Like, that's you reading it. But I don't think that they – like, I'm with you that he is not in the group as much as the – like, he just is in this movie less than everybody else. Yeah. But they don't give a reason for that. No, they it's definitely weird. don't. They definitely don't. But I think they suggest things that we don't quite have enough of the pieces to put together. And it makes me wonder if there was more that they took out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, because I think it's like, be. if I'm Jennifer Love Hewitt, even if I'm sad about my breakup or don't want to go, I'm going to talk to fucking Freddie first, for sure. Over Barry, who's the person who forced your hand on this. I'd be avoiding yeah, Barry honestly, last stop, like absolute all costs. That's what I think, too. They show up at Barry's house. He's a dickhead. He He's is immediately not like, happy to see them. He is not happy to no. see his ex-girlfriend. He's not happy to see Julie. He tells them both to fuck off. At one point, he says... Maybe you should check out a mirror once in a while. You both look like shit run over twice. An absolutely insane thing to say to someone. This is what I'm talking about. I know people that can be so fucking mean without ever saying a sentence like that. What the fuck? Yeah. It's crazy. 100%. And Helen is bummed, dog. She is not happy to go hang out with Barry and have him tell her that he doesn't give a fuck about She calls her. him a prick. She's yeah. like, you're such a dickhead. And he is. And he looks fine. I'll have you know. <laughs> He's hanging out at his mom's rich ass house this is why this is so ripe for this conversation it's his fault and he is the one for whom nothing changed about his dreams as far as we know yep. he went off to school and he's playing college ball and exactly he's not dating helen anymore but whose dream was that his or helen's you know a hundred percent like 100%. he literally is the only one that does not sacrifice anything and frankly julie doesn't sacrifice anything either she just has like a conscience yeah, I agree. And she mentions like, oh, you know, the uh, only one murder springs to mind about what we did last summer. No, I actually love this because wait, 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 just to get that line correct. He says, how do you know? She describes the note. She got a note that says, I know mm -hmm. what you did last summer, exclamation point. <laughs> he, he says, how the fuck do you know that's about that? A lot of things happened last summer, which is actually, I think, a really, really good point. It brings a little levity to the moment that it's like, People make enemies. Teenagers are petty and bitchy. I know what you did last summer, exclamation point, would actually make me think there's no way they're talking about that murder because no fucking sane person would put an exclamation point <laughs> in this note. It's got to be about like something dumb. Mm -hmm. But then when she's when he says a lot of things happened last summer, she says only one murder comes to mind, which is a great line, I thought. And he positively loses it at the mention of loses the murder. Loses it at her. That's like the one I thing agree. she's not supposed to do. Because, I mean, he got in her face already about never yeah. mentioning it again. But the thing that was so telling to me is his eyes flick back to his mother who's like, you know, swathed in cashmere and on the phone casually in the next room. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's, of course, Barry's concern. He's yeah. not worried that she's getting threatened. He's not worried that yeah. like Helen's life is in shambles. He's worried they're going to come over and yeah. maybe, yeah, and maybe get him in trouble with his rich mommy. Yep. Yep. I mean, so then we get into a little bit of Julie's done a little background. She couldn't really live with what happened. And so in the paper, a couple of weeks after their incident, someone called David Egan washed up on shore and she can just assume that that's who it is. His girlfriend was killed in the same spot one year earlier. And it seems like he went out there to be sad about it or maybe to hurt himself or something. But all the pieces, pit, all the pieces fit together that that is who the body that they killed and dumped. Um, this I liked because he 
Shamrock Geller maintains that it was an accident. It was an accident. It was an accident. Can't we put this to bed? And Julie says he died because of us. That is certain. And I have to say, mm-hmm. yeah, if he had died from the car accident, maybe in some world you could convince yourself that he was out there walking late at night. He put himself in danger. It was a fluke accident. They are not to blame technically for his death. Accidents happen. Once you know yeah. he's still alive and you drown him, she's absolutely right. He would have lived had they done something differently. He died because of them. That's un un. It's there's no way to argue that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep, they all realize that no one has seen Ray. Barry thinks it's Max, which I think is probably again. Barry's not like that stupid. Barry, it is true that Max yeah. is the only person that was out there and maybe could have seen something and has like a kind of a popular kids nerdy kids vendetta against them all. I think he's a natural choice, I agree. honestly, especially because he hates them all so fucking much, and because he's fucking creepy, anyways. <laughs> Yeah. He's not above being fucking creepy. (laughs) So basically, Barry leads the charge to go find Max, who works, I guess, at the docks um, gutting fish. Another thing about this movie, and I don't know what the symbolism of it is, so many dead fish. Every scene that's not a close-up of someone's face is a close-up of a dead fish. Yeah. Getting like sliced open. And everyone's like fish. That's the thing. It's like, this is just a working class town where everyone goes into the fishing business. It's like, all right, so mm-hmm. Max is a fisherman too. But I did take, I want to take a moment here for Ryan Philippe's outfit when he goes to threaten Max at the docks. Yeah. Oh my God. He is wearing like a baggy jean, a white beater, white tank top, and like an open, almost like a Burberry patterned flannel, but like more relaxed and lived in like flannel open Mm -hmm. button down. And holy shit. I was like, bring the look. I mean, I do think the silhouette is like extremely in right now, but Mm. damn, he looks good. I was like, if we're going to talk about it, he spends the entire rest of the movie in like sweater polos. I know it's good. And like, listen he's hot and that's where he got how he got everything in this movie yeah it's crazy town and it's like his just the face card is doing 90 percent of the acting and it's working like so he goes to threaten max and like honestly he's not that interested in finding out what's going on he wants to get this taken care of wipe his hands of it so he basically says i'll fucking kill you grabs a hook and actually does very much very believably threatened to kill him and max does not Mm -hmm. admit to the letter but ryan philippe is just such an abusive fuck that he's like okay 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 fuck like let me go and ryan philippe is just perfectly satisfied that he did all he needed to do cool handled that yeah exactly he wants to believe it's max he threatened max let's put this to bed i gotta be honest you said this earlier but at this point i was like i don't know why you would trust him to come up with a plan every plan he's ever come up with in the past has just gotten you deeper into shit and now he's just gonna run around threatening people for things that you don't know that they know about which is just gonna like make you more vulnerable like do not invite him in on plans do not go to him for advice he is the problem he got you into this and he'll get you deeper into it well so now the three of them are like exiting you know dock left and they just run into ray who, I mean, if I'm Ray, I'd be like, damn, the three of you guys are hanging out about that murder we committed last summer, and I'm just bumping <laughs> into you about it? Like, damn. And Yeah, maybe I would like some say in who you're threatening and letting in on the secret that we all murdered someone. And, like, who you are, what what implications are to follow from your actions that have everything to do with me, the driver. Um, but Ray is also in a white beater that's black, 
because we don't know if we can trust him. <laughs> you don't know if you can trust him. Yeah. It's very Anakin Skywalker, the black robes. Yeah, absolutely. Where you're like, hmm, that's odd. Like, he happens to be there. He's not really with them. They bump into him. It's just weird. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't go to Ray before they go to Barry. But I, it's like, I can understand why Jennifer Love Hewitt wouldn't. It wasn't her idea to go to Barry. She went to see her friend. Helen wanted she, to go see him. Yeah. And honestly, I think Helen sided more with Barry the night of, too. But mm-hmm. this is where he says the line, um, you know how Max feels about you guys, which again, I'm just telling you they cut something out that is giving us some context for why Ray is not like one of you guys. Well, I was kind of wondering if Ray and Max know each other. The only It would explain why Max was so needlessly mean to Ray if Ray used to be a Max. And now he is a popular kid because of Julie. Mm-hmm. And then Max is envious that Ray is who Julie likes and Ray is who Julie picked. And Ray has the David Ignazi disease where he like wants to be popular, even though being popular is for shit people, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. But I am saying, honestly, the opposite of that. Like, that may be true. What happened in we the past can't may know. be true. Yeah. And not only can we not know, but now a year has passed and we find out Ray didn't go to New York. He actually works on the fishing boats. He didn't leave town. He like goes out on the fishing boats and comes back, which is also what Max did. And the same way, like when you leave your hometown and then you come back and people that you didn't know knew each other or didn't like each other back then. Now they're just in the same town doing the same thing. And guess what? They know each other. They're friends. Yeah. Or at least uh, they're they're colleagues. Yeah, they know each other in a way that you don't know either of them anymore. And so he comes down and he's like, well, Max doesn't like you guys. But it's like, Max and I. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Are on a boat eight hours a day. You're totally week. right. Like, and he would not necessarily be referencing the dynamics from a year ago. He would more likely be referencing the current dynamics. Especially since, and this is maybe a controversial take um max has clearly had a glow up in the past year like max has some confidence max has some bite to the way he feels confident talking to barry he is not afraid to see them so this uh, ray takes an opportunity to sidebar with julie kind of and you realize Mm -hmm. everybody's broken up they're broken up um and he says i know you hold me responsible sort of like I think he has projected maybe why they broke up. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't hold you responsible. I absolutely, I, th- I thought it was kind of her to say I'm responsible for my own decisions. Uh, but I then like when she says, too, yeah. um, but I don't want to know you. That is just nothing unreasonable about that at all. It's like, yeah, I, dog, I like agree. it's not your fault. I don't blame you. And you, but I don't, I don't want you to take the fact that you're not in my life anymore to mean I hold you responsible in some way that I don't hold myself responsible, but I would not like you in my life. Plain and simple. I, I can't look at you anymore, to be yeah, honest. Sorry. And it's not about you. It's about what happened. Like, <laughs> like I can't look at the reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. It's over. I think it was, I think it was succinct. I think it was honest. And he's clearly bummed, but it's like, how can you argue with that logic? Like, no, I don't yeah, want to know I you. I was with her a hundred percent. Yeah. So now we go to Barry's gym and this is just like a hilarious, one of those old hilarious like boxing gyms. This is not your modern day crunch Brooklyn. Okay. Um, (laughs) He's like pumping iron. They have this absolutely crazy psychopath, American psycho scene where he's just like, like pumping iron alone. It's like this guy's fucking about to OT on testosterone (laughs) and he's wearing like vanity dog tags. Like, 
He just Which is sucks. so everything about him is so like <laughs> like rich kid. Yeah, it's, it's so giving annoying. American it's history like X. It's like what it's the It's like fuck? you're not in the military. You wouldn't deign to go to the military. You literally go to Harvard, but you're like, but I'm hard, I'm tough, I'm a scary dude. And it's like you are garbage, yeah. you are the villain of this movie. <laughs> You know what I thought was interesting is like I always find it funny like you see these tropes and these horror movie tropes over and over again like this for example where he's in a locker room and someone's like around the corner and who did someone just come in is anyone there you've seen them hundreds of times and I always wonder oh is this the first one oh is this the Mm -hmm. first time they did it and I don't think I can know but I just want to point out that like this movie is 30 years old almost 25 years old and it is fun to see like you know, yes, it looks very cliche to us, but maybe that's because, you know, maybe at the time no one had done yeah. it before. Maybe people have been yeah, redoing this, this scene over scene and over and over again. But he finds a Polaroid in his locker. And I wanted to ask, it's a Polaroid of his BMW that hit him the night of, which, of course, fucking arrogant ass Gary didn't even bother getting a new car. <laughs> but... Is it a Polaroid of his car parked literally outside the gym right now? Because obviously if he's – they're dumping him in the water, he's not taking a moment to take a Polaroid of the car the night that night. Like this is a brand new Polaroid he just took minutes ago, right? I mean that's how Polaroids work, so it totally could be. Uh, but also it's like Barry is around, the car is around. Like, No, I, I know that's how Polaroids time, work, but, but I'm saying it's not from a year ago. How could it be No, I don't think ago? there's it's any from right now. it's from a year ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And he wrote, That'd be I crazy. know, on the back. Yeah. No exclamation point, which is ex- way, way scarier. I know no He's exclamation point scarier. is way scarier <laughs> than I know what you did last summer. It's like, girl, you got such a good suntan. Oh, my God. You're pink. <laughs> you're yellow you polka dot bikini. Yeah, I know you did last summer. Exclamation point. Like, you went to the prom. It's so nuts. Um, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Who was doing the prop direction on that? Um, someone steals his jacket, which is like kind of a weird, irrelevant piece they keep bringing up. And he's furious about it, though. And I get why, because he did look really hot in the jacket he when just he walked did, into the he box. He looks so hot in this. <laughs> he really quickly, angrily, he's like, someone's fucking with me. And he throws on this just gorgeous Henley that, like, falls off his collarbone. It's insane. Oh, my God. It's insane. Um, but, yeah, someone straight up steals his car. <laughs> he runs outside and someone has got his keys. Someone was in his locker, right, to leave the Polaroid. So someone has got his keys, has took, taken his jacket. And he is driving full speed at Barry in his own car and he hits him (laughs) he drives Barry through a building this was scary and then once he's driven him through the building the building is down in shambles around him Barry's laying on his back bloodied and he's screaming out for help as the fisherman this is the first time you really like get a look at him he's in like a slicker and he's got the hat and the hook yeah but you don't see much he's covered head to toe yeah, you don't you could never find anything discerning that like I feel like at one point they even maybe suggest it's like a female character that's coming up, but it's mm-hmm. like there's it's just a man. That's all you could kind of discern maybe if you had to gamble. But it, mm-hmm. Ryan Philippe screaming bloody murder for help is pretty scary cuz I do wonder sometimes like you kind of feel like you could scream out and be like, help, 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 help. And a bunch of people would come. But it's like, I don't know. I just don't I know. know. It's Maybe like, no one that would. true? That yeah. guy sitting at the desk that he just spoke to, yeah. but he didn't he seem to like out. Ryan Philippe very much. Yeah. Well, so then you're not sure if he's dead. I'm like, did we take out the first person? It fades to black and they come in at a hospital. But no, he's not dead. And I was like, oh, I know Um, he doesn't. Kill Why him. wouldn't he kill him? Well, this is the part that bugs me. They argue more right about what they should do. And it's kind of giving a softer night of the accident and he's like barry is still not afraid which is so unhinged it's so crazy that barry is like 
not afraid. He was like, they were like, oh my God, Barry, when is this going to sink in? Someone tried to kill you last night. He was like, oh, they didn't try to kill me. If they had wanted to kill me, they'd have killed me. They're trying to fuck with me. And while that logic isn't totally unsound, what I thought was, why would you not think they will eventually kill you though? Like, yes, they're trying yeah. to fuck with you to make the dying part especially terrorizing. You know what I mean? But to say they didn't kill me last night, so they won't kill me in the future is like, I can't follow you down that logic road. You know, I also think there's no real reason to be certain that hitting someone with a car so hard they fly through a building wouldn't kill you. Um, couldn't kill someone. Yeah. Like the actions taken very much could be murder if they happen again. He does know that the fisherman knows he didn't die, though, because he walked over to him while he was screaming. And it's like, I don't think we have any reason to believe that the guy thought he did kill Barry. I think Barry's right. Right. But it's like, we can't let this guy go around hitting us with cars. Oh, absolutely. He could kill someone. He, we, he, this guy's <laughs> on the streets, my dog. He's out. <laughs> yeah. He's on the streets. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but this is when they actually start to formulate this plan. And and again, mm-hmm. Julie is like, it wasn't an accident. Like, we murdered someone. We're using the word murder now. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry makes the point that they got to find out who the fuck it is. They're not going to the police. That's the thing. Because now it is getting to a place where it's like, holy shit, at any moment we are going to be implicated so bad in such a bigger crime than we even originally were in. But Barry points out that this guy isn't telling on them. That's not what he wants. Mm -hmm. What he wants is a confrontation. So let's just figure out who the fuck it is. Which I actually think, again, Barry isn't stupid. I don't think Barry's stupid either, but I do kind of think at this point I was kind of turning on the... I was turning on Jennifer Love Hewitt a little bit in this scene because she's like... He's like, you're not going to go to the police. And everybody's sort of like, okay. And I was like, I don't understand why you need Barry's permission. You didn't I do know. anything. Go tell him. You Barry. weren't driving. You weren't drinking. You're not trying to get fucking murdered. He has bad ideas. He is the reason that you're in this mess. And now he's going to be like, you better not. And it's like, I better not what? Barry? And you're threatening me from a hospital bed, Barry. Like, you're clearly fallible. Like, I, you know. Shut the fuck up, Barry. <laughs> So at this point, they leave. This was weird to me. They're storming out. You know, Sarah Michelle Gellar is like, I think it's probably a family member or someone that knows him. I don't know why she would think that. Why would a family member be there? That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it would have to be somebody that was there. Like, Max honestly was the best guess. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that somebody not there would ever connect you guys. Nobody even knows you guys were in an accident. Yeah. I don't know how they kind of get on this line that they've got to like track down the family, except that they're like, he must just have some friend that cares about him. Because honestly, they don't get to the part where they think, oh my God, the guy we killed isn't dead for a long time. That would have been my first joint. Who the fuck would have it out for us except (laughs) the guy we did this to? Yeah, totally. Although I will say I do respect Sarah Michelle Gellar um, trying to think things through, like trying to come up with solutions. Like it's clear these boys aren't leaving us in the dust. No, dude, the second I get my exclamation point letter, I'm going, oh, we didn't die. We didn't make (laughs) sure he was dead. It's definitely the guy. There's quite literally was no one else around. I mean, and he wasn't dead when they put him in the water. They didn't see him die. Yes, someone's body washed up shortly thereafter, but you assumed it was the same body. And the second you get that letter, that assumption's dead. I would go, oh, okay, so he didn't die. I, I mean, it, I just think it's crazy they don't even consider it would occur that to me. that guy. Yeah, it definitely would be occurring to me. But also maybe it's just easy for me to say that because I've seen this movie. Yeah. But- well, so Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sam Michelle Gellar are like storming out to go try and do some research and actually figure out who might be stalking them. Freddie Prince Jr. kind of follows them down the hallway and – She's like, we get it. All you care about is proving Barry wrong, which like weird leap to take on it. I think he wants the same thing you guys want and he's just afraid. But then he goes, no, what I want is for you and me to. And she goes, get this through your head, Ray. There is no you and me, which I thought was like, OK, fucking like self-involved. 
That is not where he was going. For it to be like, you're obsessed with me and you need to get there. You can tell he's like, damn. And frankly, that probably is where he was going. But I still was like so weirdly mean to like bring your all shit into this. You're all in a way bigger thing than the fact that you and Ray broke up. And for you to like make it about that is so odd in this moment. Yeah, I mean, alternatively, every time he gets her alone, he does try to bring up the fact he's sorry they're broken up. And I would be like, there is a murderer on the loose. Get your head in the game. Yeah, read my (laughs) lips. We ain't friends. Um, but she storms out, and I just wanted to make a note of this. There is a two-second beat where she storms out into the stairwell, and Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar have a moment, and it's the only movie in the, moment in the entire movie they're alone. And they look at each other, and you Aww. can tell Sarah Michelle Gellar is kind of feels for him, and is like, damn, that was harsh. Like, shit. She that just dragged your ass harsh, in the yeah. middle of this hallway. <laughs> Um, and he's embarrassed and he kind of looks at her and is like, yeah, I don't know what to say. And she quickly like follows her out. But they share exactly one moment. There's no other scene in the movie where they're alone together. And the rest is history. history. Yeah, the chemistry was <laughs> popping. Uh, but so they go to Julie's and all I could write was the Internet! Exclamation points. <laughs> I couldn't believe the Internet is in this movie. Finally makes an appearance. But they do some background on this guy, David, who washed up, um, who Julie has believed staunchly for absolutely no reason is the guy that they killed. They find out about the fact that his girlfriend died in the same road the summer before. There was a car accident. She drowned. And Julie recalls, oh, my God, Susie is the name that was on the tattoo of the body that we saw. So this is definitely him. And it seems to further confirm, like, yes, it was David. It's got to be this someone that knows guy. David this that's stalking on. And I do think if you, you're the body you had had a tattoo called Susie and this kid who died girlfriend Susie died I would absolutely be like I don't need any more confirmation so I do get but she doesn't have that confirmation until this moment and I think prior to this moment you'd be going the guy didn't die it's just weird it never even occurs to her Um, but he is survived by his sister Melissa they live in the sticks Sarah Michelle Gellar says um, and I Jay wrote being poor equals scary Well, this is the second time in the movie where it's like you, you, the audience member, are supposed to feel illicit fear from the idea of like interacting poverty. with someone that's poor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Not even like afraid of poverty, but that like someone poor is inherently scary. Well, because she is actually extremely nice. They drive out there with yeah. no plan and she like smokes meats and shit. So she's in this like apron and she's doing her thing and she's maybe not fully cleaned up. But they are walking around. I think it was super funny that their outfits are like, first of all, they both look amazing. But Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> is in a full sweater and maxi full-length skirt. And Jen- and Sarah Michelle Gellar is in spaghetti straps and cutoffs. <laughs> and I was like, what season is it? What day is it? Who knows? Yeah, what's the temp? It's still like... Sarah Michelle Gellar washed up beauty queen showing off her skin yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt like brainy girl next yeah. door in a like ankle length skirt yeah yeah and she just you guys the tropes are at play <laughs> so they pull up and Anne Hache catches them essentially breaking into her house which is like mm-hmm. fucking nuts and she's so cool about it she's like can I help you and they're like oh my god I'm so sorry we're trying to get your attention because our car broke down and she goes for it she's like all right seems like a normal f- ass thing to she's totally normal in this scene like jennifer love Hewitt is like r- like grilling her kind of trying to figure out information about her brother and i was like the music is so ominous and like and and heish i think is her name is like yeah. so kind of giving like a shifty eye look that it's like 
I think I'm supposed to be afraid of her. But I'm like, the way that she's acting is deeply like, you guys are in my house. Now you're trying to strike up this conversation with me. Like, you are being weird. But I feel like she gets like, comfortable I don't want to talk to you. I actually don't totally. I think in this first scene, when they come back to the house later, she's like, well, who the fuck are you guys? But in this first scene, she actually opens up to them pretty naturally. I think it's almost odd that she isn't more suspicious of like, why did you, your car broke down, but you want to talk about my dead brother? Like, if anything, she's almost melancholic and she's like wistfully thinking about the past. A hundred percent. But I do think that it's like they are so on edge where I'm like, no, she's acting exactly the way somebody would act where it's like, yeah, I mean, just like use the phone. I don't know. Like, get out of my house as soon as you can. Like, good luck to you until they bring up her brother. And then she's sort of like, oh, you knew him. And she meant and Sarah Michelle Gellar, who honestly is thinking she's working. She's trying to come up with plans. She's trying to solve this. She comes up with the genius, like genius. I would not have thought of this like way to figure out if there's somebody that was like a close friend of this David Egan character. And she's like, he was always hanging around with that guy. Well, first of all, she establishes that they all went to high school together. So she's like, oh, you're 92. You're 98. Not 88. My sister was 88. Oh, you're 92. Oh, wait, didn't he have a friend? And it was so that friend. But I can't like, what What was was his his name? name? Yeah. It's genius. It and and Haish brings up a little nugget of information that there was somebody that started coming around after her. She was like, I actually died. don't remember any friends he had while he was alive, but there was this one guy that stopped by. Of course, you know, Julie and Helen's antennas go up and they're like, okay, who is mm-hmm. the person who cares enough about this guy to stop by and visit his sister? It might be the same person who's stalking us. And the name she gives is Billy Blue. Billy Blue, and she mentions that he was sweet on her. I, I love this because they never come back to this. She said he came back a little, and I think we kind of had a thing for a while, but the truth is I think it made him sad to talk to me, which like we do ultimately, we won't say it now, but we do find out who Billy Blue is, and they don't actually I revisit. guessed it immediately. Oh, you guessed it? Immediately, okay. I knew. Well, we can tell that it's our boy, Freddie P. Freddie Prince is Billy Blue. I was like, he's in town. He's fucking sketchy. He's like the moony look in her eye can only be given by Freddie Prince Jr. That's a fact. I actually hadn't remembered what happens in this movie. So I didn't even know yet that the guy they show you in the first scene is a misdirect. I'm thinking, oh, he really did have a friend, Billy, who stopped by. I wonder who that is. It might be the guy. No, she she, when she says, I think he was sweet on me. And she gets this like really romantic look in her eye. And I was like, it's Freddie Prince Jr. (laughs) That's so funny because I was fully just still watching it like it was like, oh, yeah, who who's this guy? Maybe now they're on they're onto something. They've got to find out who the friend is. You know, I was also waiting for Elsa to be a part of it since she graduated in the same class and she's such an asshole. Yeah, but she wasn't. But I did. We agree. It was super clever of Sam Rochelle Geller to act like, oh, wait, who is his best friend to figure out if there was someone in the picture, maybe. And then Mm -hmm. Missy is like very sad when they leave. They ultimately get the information they came from. Who's Billy Blue? We got to find out who Billy Blue is. They split. They're like, thanks a lot. Never mind. Our car's fixed. And she's like, okay, I don't get a lot of visitors. And actually, they shared like a very nice moment. And she's kind of like, if you guys want to come by again. And they're like, oh, damn. And I she feels a little used at the end of it. Uh, but then she catches them in the driveway, which is spooky. I think her demeanor absolutely changes when she goes out there and their car isn't broken. It's running perfectly. And they're just having a chat about what they just saw. I mean, she kind of mm-hmm. bangs on their window for a jump scare in a way that I don't think she realistically would. But she's like, "Uh, so I see you got your car. Like, you your can tell she's working. like, what interaction just happened? I was willing to mm-hmm. give you fully the benefit of the doubt. But now it's like getting weird. Like the moment you chose to leave, the fact that your car was never broken. 
And they're just able to like speed away. But she like almost hangs onto the car a little bit. It's giving creepy for sure. And the music is like purposefully giving you cues. Like you're supposed to be afraid of her. Yeah. Even though I don't think there's like any real reason. So then they go to Helen's. Um, and I think this is smart. Julie is dropping off Helen at her house. And again, I think she's smart for putting this together. She goes, we don't know that he didn't go out there and try to get hit by a car. We don't know that he didn't go out there and jump in front of our car. He was hanging out at the spot where his girlfriend died exactly one year earlier. Clearly, he blamed himself on some level. It just makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, And I was like, damn, that is actually some really clever gymnastics to make it so you didn't murder someone. And I don't think you're crazy for it. Like, yeah, maybe he did go out there to kill himself. I mean, I it doesn't it matter. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if your ultimate goal is to be able to sleep better at night, I don't blame her for trying to put that together. You know, that's exactly what Jennifer Love Hewitt says to her. Yeah. too. And I thought it was kind of mean. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I guess you can't be she too mean. Like to she's the only but- one that this fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, it's clearly clearly Helen doesn't have no conscience. She's clearly very fucked up, too. You know? Yeah, and she says the saddest thing where she's like, she's like, I miss, I miss you. you. You were my best friend before all this. And frankly, it's the same principle as the Freddie Prince thing where she's like, I just don't want to know you. And I, I just yeah, like, I how just can you blame her? Yeah. And I think Helen would. I also think that there is residual resentment that Julie ultimately feels like Barry and Helen were why they did. They both were just too on board, too gung-ho to go through with this plan. And like, I don't know if I can look at you the same, you know? Yeah, I just it it hurt me. It hurt me. Honestly, like my true allegiance in this car is to Sarah Michelle Gellar always. And it hurt me to see her sad. And I really think she is in the back half of this movie acting her butt off. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. I mean, we are just going to have to talk about Freddie Prince Jr.'s acting. Like, we'll avoid it. We'll try to avoid it because we love him so much. But, like, it is so crazy. I'm so glad they're married and they're so in love and they're, like, the best Hollywood couple ever and we love them. But, like, her talent just totally eclipses. I, I mean, she is a powerhouse. And, and like, obviously, you guys know if you listen that we're Buffy fans, so we already felt that way. But you could just mm-hmm. look at this piece of work. And I do think she acts him under the table. For sure. She um, yeah, I agree. And I and it's like I'm willing to believe that he wasn't given the tools. Oh, to totally. Succeed. We're gonna make every excuse for him in this podcast. I want you guys to know. Like we love him and we're just oh, very I'm, aware yeah. of the reality. We're here for him. This podcast yeah. is about him. Unfortunately, yeah. this movie doesn't have very much of him in it. Well, so they do this elongated scene where this guy stalks her around her house. H- Helen goes in having basically been rejected by Julie. Like she even is like, Oh, fuck the boys. Yeah, we all broke up, but like you and me were best friends. And Julie's kind of like, mm-hmm. Yeah, but fuck that too. And she goes inside, her mean-ass sister's there, her drunk-ass dad is there, and this cloaked figure, the fisherman, is also in the house. And you just see him, like, enter rooms before her, exit rooms after her. There's a long scene of him just stalking her, and he goes upstairs to hide in her closet. We get a brief interaction with Elsa, who's basically like, you're a fucking little piece of shit, washed-up has-been, for no reason. And she's, like, brushing her hair, and she's like, you and your hair, you're obsessed with your hair. And it's like, okay, is that an element? pathetic. And it's like, you know what's pathetic? The fact that you're like in here dragging me for what? Yeah. yeah, for what? Like, are you busy? Like, why don't you? I mean, they did do this moment earlier when at the beach party at the very beginning of the movie where she's like, it's all about the do. Everyone thinks about it's about your accomplishments, but it's actually about the do, which is maybe the single only other example to point to to say that she is obsessed with her hair. Like, it's not really a characteristic they drive home. It's just something yeah, I mean, mean her she's sister like a beauty says. Queen. I think you're supposed to assume a lot that she's yeah. like, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't need to be her hair, but it's like her vanity is like essentially what they're 
There, that's like yeah. the stand-in for that. Her sister tries to do some like power play where she's like, "You can't go to the parade because I need you to open." And she's like, "I have to go." To no, the yeah, the previous like year's queen engagement has to yeah, sit like, in for the parade, and the sister's like, "Well, I need you at the department store." And Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't even let her go there. Really, she's just like, "I have to be at the like." You aren't gonna go fucking head to head with the town committee. You're not gonna go head to head with the pageant. This power play. This is an. And she's like, "Well, I'm in charge of the store, and I want you there." And Sarah Michelle Gellar is like, "Deal with it, bitch. Like, I can't come. You can't really fire me. And if you want to bring Dad into this, who clearly is their real boss, he will agree that I have a fucking obligation. So just chill the fuck out, you know." It's just crazy. Her sister. Yeah, she just doesn't even have any leg to. And then kind of having given up, she leaves. Um, so she leaves and Sarah Michelle Gellar goes to sleep. She checks out her little tiara, you know, that she, that R- Barry wrangled out of a half dead man's hand. Why would you have that? I don't I know, think you'd no be able to look at that every display. day. I don't think you'd be able to have that on your, yeah, like next to your bed. I don't think you'd be able to look at it. Um, she goes to bed and she wakes up and all of her hair has been chopped off and someone put her tiara on her head while she was sleeping, which is pretty terrifying. Pretty. This would horrific. be the end of it for me. The proof that he's in my room, that he's been See, touching me. That's the me. thing that is the scariest thing. It, it mm-hmm. once your house, people like. I mean, I remember you know in those documentaries about the bling ring. Sure, it's just Audrina Patridge and Orlando Bloom, but they never went back to those homes. Once they knew someone yeah. was in their shit, someone could get into their home, someone was in their private space, they never wanted to be in that space again. You know, and I Touching think that is you absolutely in your sleep, true. So much so that they're like cutting off your hair. Your hair. Like that's so intimate. It's you such would never a violation be able to sleep in that house again. I honestly Absolutely don't not. think he would be able to. That he had just so sat in there and waited for her to go to sleep. Like, there's so much that's just like... Now, meanwhile, if you watch Buffy, you're fucking used to people coming and going out of Buffy's room in the middle of the night. People just be stopping <laughs> by. It's a bus station. You know what I mean? But her well, she reaction can handle is much it, more to be appropriate. Honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that they don't sell the Summers home at some point is so fucking bananas. But she freaks out. She loses her goddamn mind. She calls Julie. She calls Barry. Um, everyone comes over. I, I mean, it, it's terrifying. But so Julie gets the call and I immediately see the iconic blue sweater set that I think is like mm-hmm. probably Jennifer Love Hewitt's most recognizable iconic look ever uh, yeah, is like the back completely. half of this movie. Uh, she's mm-hmm. got her very beautiful bod out. She's got the hip bones jutting over the low rise. I mean, it's de- very 1997. Um, <laughs> on the drive... She hears like clicking and stuff. She's racing over to Helen's, which you have to believe is like not that far away. But she hears clicking and noise and stuff. I'm like, oh, fuck. Something's in the trunk, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She throws that open and it is filled with Max's body and crabs. Like saltwater crabs, like crawling all over him. It's totally spooky. She screams. And of course, she doesn't get back in her car. She just runs. Because at first I was like, get in your car and finish driving to Julie. But I'm like, no, you wouldn't. Mm -mm. You would just absolutely run away. I'm like, you're truly fucked at this point. There's literally a dead body in your your trunk. And you don't know how it got there. Like, you don't, like, you're fucked. And again, we made this point when they put the body in Barry's (laughs) car. Like, you have to get rid of your car. You can't, like, Mm -hmm. keep a car that has human DNA in it. Like, it's over. And she leaves it there for anybody with the fucking trunk open. It's a nut house. Um, Mm -hmm. So then, you know, she shows up at 
Helen and, and Barry's already there comforting Helen. She grabs both of them. Sarah Michelle Geller puts on a hilarious hat. Hilarious like, black page boy. Yeah. That, it's not that deep, Helen. But <laughs> and the crabs in the body are gone. This is was I was like, um, I kind of would have liked it if the crabs were there. Because it's Still like there. Yeah. it's not as believable that he would be able to completely clean up the scene and there not be any because it looks like I mean, there's like a fucking snow scraper and gloves and like a jack back there. Like it, you would mm-hmm. never believe anything else was there. How did he stage that so quickly? So I almost feel like it would have been more ominous and scary if it was like full of crabs and overflowing. It's still kind of like a I'm harassing you thing. But now there's no body to like really make mm-hmm. her feel crazy. The the way they did it just didn't seem like he could possibly pull it off. Like how did he literally disappear this the scene he created? But I did Although what I really like Barry liked is, doesn't believe her at all. Barry, Barry is like which is crazy you're probably crazy. Which That's is insane. crazy to me. And I liked yeah. even despite the best friendship rejection that Helen experienced, she very quietly looks at Julie and says, "I believe you, Julie." Which is like the only thing mm-hmm. you need to hear ever, basically, between girlies, tip to the girlies. That's just it. Yeah. Um, and I said, LOL, her hat. Like, even in the <laughs> softest moment, I, I I, believe you, Julie. And it's like, but the most iconic, I liked I liked how uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt was like, why wouldn't you believe me? He drove a car into you. He made coleslaw on Helen's head. He's fucking with us. Like, this is fucking <laughs> yeah. with us. And she screams into the ether, like into the street, what are you waiting for? Which is so iconic. And she delivers yeah, it, it so well. It's the best moment from mm-hmm. this movie. What are you waiting for? Like at this point, at you're her terrorizing end. me. Yeah. And I don't even give a fuck. If you want to kill me, I'd rather that fate than constantly waiting for what the next thing is going to be. What are you waiting for? I thought it was mm-hmm. so good. It hits so good. It is. It's like... It's the turning point in the movie. Like, now she's done. And she honestly even says later, like, I'm no longer trying to get away with murder. I'm trying to figure out who the fuck this guy is and get him again. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm no longer feeling bad. I'm actually yeah. fucking pissed fuck off. Fuck this guy. And here for the second time, they just run into Ray. So they are doing a good job. This is the same thing. The three of them are who called each other for comfort who called each other for we're in this together and just like on the docks when they just ran into ray and he was like oh remember how we were all four together again outside julie's house they've just run into ray and he's like oh man what's going on and at this point at the time i thought barry was a little whack for being like honestly i think it's fucking ray how many fucked up fishermen out there because he doesn't really give a reason except that how many fucked up fishermen are out there like okay so he's also a fisherman what the fuck you know but, yeah, but he what's did he originally think it was place? Max. And when I think about it, and we we discuss it all laid out here, like, yeah, if I was Barry, I'd be like, this guy's just got a creep vibe about him. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was Max because he was a fisherman. Max is dead. Now I think it's you because you're a fisherman. And frankly, you just rubbed me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, and what are you doing here? What are, you know what I mean? You you're know? around the scene of the crime. Yeah. And he's 100%. not convincing where he, when he says, I got a letter. We never see the no, letter. No, he's not. You never hear exactly what the letter says. And Barry makes the excellent point that they put a fucking body in Julie's trunk. They cut off all of um, of Helen's hair in her childhood home. And they ran me through with a car through a building. But you got a note? And I think that is a fucking apt thing to say. I think absolutely. Totally. And he doesn't produce the note. 
You just take mm-hmm. his word on it. And I said, TBH, Ray isn't selling it. If he isn't a bad guy, yeah. he ain't selling it. And I don't think, I don't think Freddie Prince Jr.'s performance is, is convincing either way. Cause it's like, he's giving too much. You can't trust me. And I almost feel like had he not known they were setting him up for the double fake out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's too heavy handed that it's like, I wouldn't fucking trust your ass either. Well, this is the part where Barry delivers the line. He always wanted to be our friend and he always wanted to be one of us. And then he couldn't take the jealousy where again, it's like they, I don't think Freddie Prince Jr. Like grew up being friends with him. I, and I think that there, I think there's a connection between him and Max. I've said it already. It's the last time I'll say it, but this is another little nugget where it's like, I don't think Barry is a big fan of Ray. I don't think they were really friends, you know? Well, I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I just got to be honest, from what I've seen of Barry, I don't think it would take much yeah. for him to not give Make a shit about you. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, he's in, like, I thought he liked Julie. He's treating her like shit. Yeah. So, again, they have this set piece. It's kind of the third time. It's like the four of them on the road, the four of not them. Not Julie, in the sorry, hospital. Helen, his ex girlfriend, Helen. Yeah. But yeah. So, again, we have this set piece, and it's, like, the third time they've done it. And it's, like, the three of them on the road that night, the three of them in Barry's hospital room. Now the three of them are outside Helen's house freaking out about this, like, body in the trunk thing and the hair thing and all this stuff. And um, they go back into Helen's house to just, like, powwow. And they discuss David Egan. He's the class of 92. And Helen says, oh, well, Elsa was a class of 92. She has a yearbook. Um, let's go through it. Maybe we'll be able to find out who Billy Blue is. We can go back to Missy. We can take the yearbook back to Missy and she can point out Billy Blue. Like they're trying to come up with a plan. I did think yeah. cute. 92. Shout out. That's the year I was born. Uh, um, um, guess what? Guess who doesn't want to go see Missy? And guess whose eyes flick up when he hears the term Billy Blue? He's like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And I was like, it's because. See, I didn't notice that at all. No, Missy. I did not oh know until the reveal. I was convinced. Mm-mm. When he was like, I'm I not already going knew. there. Dude, now I wish I had known that watching it. I'm like, when you guys watch our live reactions, you should compare and contrast to that scene. Because I had that didn't occur to me at all. And Jay already had figured it out. Um, I hated when he said, because they were like going to take it into their own hands or whatever. And at one point he goes, you guys sound like a bunch of vigilantes. And I wanted to say, <laughs> okay, so Freddie P didn't know that word when it was written into his <laughs> line. You can just tell by the way he says it, like, a vigilante. Like, I just don't think a person would naturally be, like, vigilante unless it was, like, vigilante. someone had said the word to them. I don't know. I was just, like, weird, 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 weird. Um, and then he says, she's, like, you. to your point, Julia's pissed now. She's, like, fuck this yeah. game. Fuck this. Whatever's right and wrong. I'm going to get this motherfucker. And Freddie P is like, well, you and me can just run away together, which again, like at first I dogged her for being too harsh on him, but he really is, does continue to miss the point and push that like they could just be together and it be would be together. fine. And yeah. He says, we could just run away. We can disappear. And I loved how she says, I've already disappeared. I want my life back. And it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. motherfucker. Like I could run away. I've been running away. Fuck this guy. Like I, I'm going to catch him. You know what I mean? I want to, yeah, I want totally. this to be over and I want my life. Some agency. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the tide is turning hundred percent. So they agree that they'll split up and they just leave Ray out of it. They leave Ray out of the plan, which again, suggests to your point that he never really is on their side. He doesn't want to go to Missy's. So Julie says, fuck you. I'll go. And then she sends mm-hmm. Barry to the parade because it is 4th of July now. And to Julie's point, this is going to be the day he does something. It's officially the anniversary. He's going to make his move. He's yeah. tortured us all enough. Helen mm-hmm. has to go to the parade. I'm sending Barry with the parade as her a, a sense of... Ostensibly her bodyguard. Yeah. Um, 
And he just is allowed to sit on the float. I was obsessed I with this. He's like bloodied and battered. And she's sitting in the throne. And he's just on the front of the float looking around. Like who? He's someone had to give him gorgeous permission. polo. It's so funny. <laughs> but so they decide they send them off to the parade. Keep an eye out. Protect Helen. Uh, Julie goes to Missy's to get some tea. And Ray just fucks off. He's just not a part of it. Because he won't go to Missy's. And it's like, why not go to the parade with Barry and help protect Helen? You know? Or yeah, especially since I was like, I wouldn't trust Barry to protect me. He's the kind of guy that would 100% like push you towards the serial killer while he runs in the other direction. Absolutely. But Helen but her gets her hair cute little cute. haircut. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cute. cute. And it's there the are a bunch hair. of It's season looks. two buffy hair. Like he's on the front of the float. She's on the back of the float on the throne. And there's a bunch of looks. She's clearly like glad to have him there. He's like been comforting her all day about her um, attack. And like there's like all these soft moments between them. And I was like, this is crazy to me. This like attempt at a redemption arc for this very character that it's going to be like, well, maybe he is soft. Maybe he does care about Helen. And I'm like, only not in 2023 you guys like barry's not coming back from the edge in 2023 because this guy is like a violent maniac for him now to be like making eyes at helen after he called her shit run over twice earlier like days ago like it was too much yeah, you i mean can't he make looks it work. good i'm not buying it but you can't make it work for uh, yeah but i wasn't coming so basically she points out somebody on like from the parade float that has the slicker on and she sends Barry after him but of course they're in a fisherman town it's just some old guy like everybody's everybody's dressed as a fisherman but that doesn't stop Barry from like attacking him like jumping over nothing (laughs) could possibly stop Barry from from attacking attacking someone but so they leave us there and we jump back to Missy's and Julie is wilding out at Missy's, you guys. I My jaw <laughs> dropped at this part. So she comes around the corner and Missy has a knife. And I feel like, again, they're doing the thing where you're like, poverty is inherently scary. But like, how, and I said watching it, again, watch the live watch. But like, yeah, she has a knife, bitch. The way that you guys exited her house last time was so creepy and weird and suspicious. Not to mention, she kind of let it slide that she ori- originally found you trying to break and enter. And then that's pretty weird when you put together the fact that your car was never broken down. And now you're back 100%. She has a knife, babe. She's fully She lives suspicious. out here alone. Yeah. Absolutely. And they discuss her brother's death. And she's like, listen, it was suicide, okay? My brother went out there to kill himself, kind of confirming the narrative that Helen suggested earlier, where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. what a relief. Like, he went out there to commit suicide. And then she says the whole town blamed him, and he eventually blamed himself, too. He even left a note. And I loved that she said, I had to hide it from the insurance company so they wouldn't pay it out, but now I don't give a shit because all the money's spent. And I literally went, LOL, so fraud. Just like that's fraud. Like I don't. I, like, I think it's fraud. That's good fraud. I think it's fraud. You should be allowed yeah. to do. I think you should take absolutely fuck them and take them all for all they're worth. But Believe also, how fucked up is it? Because dry, like they're fucking the con reason artists. that you need health and ins- the reason that you need life insurance doesn't disappear. Like the fact that you can't support yourself without that person's income doesn't disappear just because that person. They made the choice. You didn't make the choice. Health. Their yeah. life insurance is for you. It's not for them. Yeah, but it's like. You intentionally the idea that your suicide is you trying to take an insurance money for it's just like so indicative of how we like decenter humanity and like center corporate 
corporations. Greed. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because it's like, yeah, but you took our money on purpose. And it's like, well, yeah, I did. That's why I paid you every single <laughs> week for my entire life so that you I took my money, money on purpose. You took yeah. my money on purpose. Exactly. So fucking I'm like, you can only have it if you accidentally took it. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, anyway, I loved that she was like, yeah, I fucking lied and took the insurance money. Um, As she should. And the note says, I'll never forget last summer in the same handwriting, no exclamation point. Why the fuck is the exclamation point only on the first one? It de-scaries it so hard. Like this one, I'll never forget last summer is so much scarier. Although you could argue it's almost like sounds kind of romantic. And Julie is like, this isn't a suicide note. It's a death threat, which is weird because I don't feel like she's fully put it together yet. She fully says, we killed your brother. We hit him with a car. It's crazy. I saw him that night. It wasn't a suicide. And it's like, why not just let this woman believe? She already isn't blaming anyone. No one. She is not the one searching to find the murderer of her brother. Let her believe it was a suicide. And so she's like, no, we hit him with our car and kid the body. To which Anne Heche is like, bitch, what? What the fuck are you talking about? She gets really hysterical and freaked out because who wouldn't? And she's like, no, I know it was him. And it had Susie's tattoo. And she was like, David didn't have any tattoos, which is really the clincher there. That it's like Mm -hmm. the body they saw couldn't have been David. But it is odd that he had the body, the name of David's girlfriend. So there is some connection, but it's not David. She just doesn't even want to hear it and justice for her because I wouldn't want to hear it either. As soon as she started being like, we hit him, but it was an accident. I was like, this is about you, Jennifer Love Hewitt. The reason that you're telling her this girl this is because you're hoping that you can get some kind of like. Absolve yourself. uh, uh, Yeah, absolved by her when it's like all you're doing is fucking up the piece that she has found about her dead family member. And you need to let her live her life. Like, why did you even come here? She doesn't know anything. Leave her alone. And it's weird that she would then go, this isn't a suicide letter. It's a death threat because, oh, your brother didn't have a tattoo. That means it must have been someone else. It's like, I don't know why you assumed it was David Egan this whole time, you know, Mm. except the tattoo is like a pretty compelling connection. So basically she gets run out of Missy's. Um, We go back to the pageant and she's sitting – Oh, There's yeah, like she- a moment where they're like showing you what we're going to do with the pageant. And this is like a great kind of throwback to the beginning of the movie where we're mm-hmm. so young and we're all sort of like, she's great. She's shining. And now the pageant is in such like garish light that like the the contestants look silly. Sarah Michelle Gellar's like perched on the edge of the scene and there's this the edge of the stage and there's this scene that I love where she's like watching the girl sing her like silly little song. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is like, this is so embarrassing. Like. Is this what it looked like when I I did it? (laughs) Like, I can see the world so much more clearly now, and this is so fucking unimportant and ridiculous. But Barry's up in the same peanut gallery watching her kind of, like, bored upstairs. I don't know why he would be alone like that. Like, why wouldn't he be constantly in a crowd? Why wouldn't they both be in a crowd? And then... When she, from the stage, which I personally don't really think you could see up into that peanut gallery from the stage, it's, it would be so bright, but she sees him get attacked. And then from mm-hmm. the stage, listen, bitch, if I am sitting in an audience and a person fully illuminated on the stage screams and points into the balcony, oh my God, someone's being attacked. Everyone is running towards the balcony. Everyone Why would I not believe that? You, It would stop the entire moment. So the fact that everyone instead rushes her... 
and grabs her to pin her down like she is some hysterical woman in an insane asylum instead of, I don't know, investigating what seemed to be a very real reaction to a real thing is it's just stupid. It's just so stupid. You would, everyone would turn if you are watching a stage and the person goes, holy fuck, someone's in danger. Every single head human person in that room would naturally turn to where she's pointing and investigate. The assumption by everyone in the audience from this point to the point where she's in the car with the cop, everybody's immediate assumption is like, why are you being hysterical? Why are you so crazy? And it's like, why would your first reaction be, oh, she must be having a hysterical like break? It doesn't make sense. It's like... It Anyone doesn't Anyone that was on the stage and saw something creepy and had a reaction would react the way she reacted, which is terrible. Especially and since pointing. it's so easy to explain. My boyfriend was watching me from up there and I saw someone come up and attack him. That's not like, why would you assume she made up her boyfriend in the balcony? It does like it doesn't make any sense. They investigate and there's no body. I mean, he pulls a classic, I disappeared the crabs, sitch. Yeah, but like 20 minutes later, after we had everybody stop her. And the cop is so immediately dismissive of her. He's not even really looking around. He's like, yeah, your boyfriend's up here. And it's like, I don't know why that's so crazy. There's blood dripping from the balcony. Yeah. Like, how about you turn on the overhead lights? Turn on the motherfucking overhead lights. They don't even do that. And she gets in the back of the car with him, I guess, to be like taken home. She's shaking. She's panicked. She's freaking out, which you would be because it's like my boyfriend is getting murdered and no one believes me and no one is doing anything about it. And I just have to sit here like knowing he's probably currently getting murdered. Wait, my favorite line she says to him, you uh, listen up, you little shit stick Mayberry ass reject. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, she's pulling out those like prom queen fucking burns right now the verbal daggers and she's like yeah i need you to listen and he's basically like well listen we'll call barry's parents when we get to your house and see if he's home (laughs) the whole time she's in the back of the car he's demeaning he's acting like she's dumb he's acting like she's crazy and it's like so needless and for what and he gets what he deserves because guess what yeah they stop to help someone in the road he's like oh give me a second there's like a car trouble situation and she's in the back like behind the cage i don't know why she would be sitting back there but she's like locked in the back where she can't get out. He stops mm-hmm. to get out and help someone. And of course, from the car, she can see that it's the fisherman. It is the guy. And her scream through the grate of the back of the, the cop car with her fingers through the little grate. So iconic. No one mm-hmm. can do it like her. It's so scary. She realizes he kills that cop instantly. He puts that hook through him and he's lifted him into the air and he's fucked. And she realized she can't get out of the car. She's locked in the car. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm like, thank God these motherfuckers never move at more than a glacial pace. Because he just <laughs> calmly like puts... And she has time to kick out the window of the back of the cop car and pull her body out through the window. Which, ooh, you know that scraped her up. She's in a little tiny like nightgown. I know. And she's still... I want to put forth like right now and assert that they put Helen through the most in this movie by far. I think she absolutely like finding the dead body with the crabs is terrifying, but that was broad daylight at least, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And like there were people around and cars driving by like this with her being locked in the cop court, chasing through town, you know, seeing her boyfriend murdered him hiding in the closet. He terrorizes Helen 
specifically. He terrorizes Helen. He murders most people in front of Helen. Yeah. I feel like it's because of her, like, beauty. <laughs> oh, maybe. I was going to say. I mean, her beauty, but, like, her status because of her beauty. Like, the beauty queen thing. It's, like, the male resentment of, like, you think you're hot shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because Sarah Michelle Gellar is, by and large, the most talented person the, in Yeah, this movie. so they gave her the most to do. Yeah. I think so, too. So where does she go when she exits the cop car? She goes somewhere for Oh, my for God, help. Connor. This I, I literally was like, fuck this bitch. Me. So she's screaming, crying, barefoot, bleeding, banging on her family's department store. Let me just say, she runs up to her own sister's store. She can see her sister through the glass. She's fucked up. She's got no shoes on. She's a and mess. And she's screaming she's bloody climbed. murder. She's desperately she's begging. She's been running across the park. And the sister's like, what? From the other side of the door. And she's like, open up. And the sister takes her sweet ass time finding the key and opening the door. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Can you calm down? Why are you being so dramatic? Until Helen literally yells at her, I'm being attacked. Which couldn't be more obvious for a million dollars. And a, a few times she throws in a, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Because Elsa is clearly dragging out, getting to the door just to fuck with her. It's like, you are going to turn around and your sister's going to be dead against this glass door. And that's going to be on you. You. It's crazy. If it's a stranger insane. had come up to the glass door and been knocking like that, there's no way you wouldn't immediately know what was going on and try to help her. She just said, I'm being attacked. attacked. There's no girl in the world that wouldn't be and like, also, oh my God, key, this is serious. We attacked. need to get help. Her, you could tell. You can tell she is utterly panicked for her life and she's desperate. What's weird to me it is odd that despite how Elsa feels about her sister, even if she utterly hates her, I do think there is a human reaction to panic that doesn't make sense here. It's like I completely agree. she would be humanly reacting to her sister who she hates, anyone to your point, a stranger's panic with panic. She would be hurrying. She would be rushing. I think absolutely. The fact that she finds time here to stick it to her sister who she hates while she's clearly desperate and, and terrified just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. It does make you fucking hate Elsa so much. And she is the only person in this movie who deserves to die. Sorry. <laughs> she does. I like wasn't sorry. Fuck the sister. Like, And she match. does it in a gruesome way. The guy gets, I mean, she's like, go around the other side and lock the door. Obviously, the sister doesn't have any fucking urgency about that. But I didn't like this either. I want to talk about this for one second. That the camera would have you believe this guy was over her shoulder on an empty street. How is Elsa seen nothing? By the time she finally opens the door and they shut the door, he's disappeared. Then he wasn't that close to her. He would have to have been a block away from her for Elsa not to have seen him too. It didn't make sense. I hate when they do that. Um. So yeah, he gets in. I mean, she doesn't fucking go around back fast enough. She doesn't lock the door fast enough. She's There's no urgency. She doesn't give a fuck. He comes inside and kills the fuck out of her. He kills the fuck out of her. He carries her through the store, dangling from the hook in a way that was like, frankly, disturbing. And even more so, you can see it play out on Sarah Michelle Gellar's face that she knows her sister just got murdered. Yeah, she's like, oh my God. Yeah. She gives it her fucking all to survive. She is climbing up a freight elevator. She's barefoot. She's jumping out of windows. She breaks her second window of the evening. Although she may just lift this one open. I forget. But either way, she climbs out of her second window. But she falls out of a window onto like a wooden pallet. I was like, she's going to have something sticking out of her stomach at the end of this. She's running. She makes it down this alley 
to where she can see the parade. And this I did remember and I think is like good horror movie writing, like so harrowing. She can see the parade. She can, She's yelling for help within sight of the fireworks, within sight of the drum line. I hated that. He gets her, he, and and she puts up enough, like a little bit of a fight, but and she's screaming. See, but this is the inconsistency I don't like. In this point, his perspective is accurate, and he is that close to her, and he does grab her. So it's just like annoying. It's like, oh, so then the camera is actually meant to purvey like where he is in the scenario, whatever. But yeah, he grabs her. I don't like that she stops to turn around and look. It's like, bitch, you are a foot from just reach out and grab somebody, make some noise. But instead, she like stops to turn around a foot away from safety. I hated it. This is the scariest thing that like a scary movie can do, right? Is like because you make things scary by taking places that people have to go and then like introducing terror into them. Like having something so lively be like a foot away from her, like her normal life. A yeah. foot away from her and having nobody notice that she's reach. not only can she not get there, but nobody from that life comes to get her and where she is. Yeah. Horrifying. Horrifying every woman's worst nightmare. Yeah. So meanwhile, more internet, Julie figures it out it's Julie's dad right before all the department store stuff. She does a little uh, more of her internet thing and she finds mm-hmm. out that Julie is survived by a father who is just kind of the only person she can assume would care this much about. I mean, excuse me. Susie is survived by a father. And I think she just is like, this is the only person I can really figure out would care enough. And he's a fisherman. He's got a fishing boat. It kind of fits. And so she goes to the docks to find Ray, who I guess has just been chilling on his boat since they were at Helen's earlier because he's just out of it. Just not involved in this, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and she's like, listen, I think it's the dad. I think I've actually figured it out. I think the guy we hit wasn't David Egan. I think it was the dad, and I think he survived. I think the dad killed David Egan, which is another leap because it's like, maybe the dad and the boyfriend were out there celeb- commemorating her death together, and the boyfriend killed himself. Maybe, you know what I mean? But like to be or like- Or was killed, and the dad saw it, like- yeah, I mean, yeah, or that's a good one, too. Like, they actually did kill David Egan, and Dad was there, and now he's, like, you know, getting vengeance for them both. But she just takes the leap that Dad must have killed David Egan because of his daughter's death, and that, I mean, I guess it's not a huge leap if you consider what he's willing to do to terrorize them. It's like he must yeah, also have true. killed David Egan. You are dealing with a murderer. Yeah. yeah. Something about the way she's like, come on, Ray, we need to go find Barry and Helen. And he's like, come on, we will. We will. And he's and encouraging her to get on the boat instead why? of to not. This makes no sense It was so me. spooky. It, it was why so spooky. Would she, why would he want her to get on the boat? Why would she get on? Because and I, I think, think it's you're spooky to, her. to believe that she, yeah, he just like wants them to have a moment. She, he wants her to like rely on him or something. And this is the moment where she looks down and she sees his boat is named Billy Blue, which Billy was Blue. spooky. It worked on me. I had not already figured it out, but I was spooked. I was like, oh my God. I knew it's not Freddie Prince Jr. Because I remember that it's not him but I Mm -hmm. didn't remember that the misdirect that it was him was so good because I was like oh Mm -hmm. shit I believe it's him they've set everything up yeah but then she's running away from him and screaming and and Ray is chasing her and some friendly fisherman jumps out and attacks Ray this is the part where I'm like bitch you just need to have your wits about you I this scary fisher guy is like oh my God, ma'am, are you okay? Which seems innocent enough. And she's like, thank you so much. Oh my God. Like a stranger intervened. I think if I do believe that if a man was chasing a woman and she was screaming for help, a stranger would just try and stop the guy, which is what happens. But then he insists she go run and take shelter on his boat. 
I guess she's like, do you have a phone? And he's like, hurry, run on my boat now. And it's like, no, no he's creepy. I'll stay here. You go get You the have phone. a stalker. Don't get on a stranger's yeah, and a boat. boat is like, like the one thing. It's like when people in horror movies yeah. go upstairs. It's like, how are you going to yeah. get out? Why are you Which running away up? she does about up? 10 times in the next 20 minutes. Why are you running away up? That's the wrong way to go. It's like, don't get mm-hmm. on a boat, bitch. Absolutely not. But she does. Mm-hmm. And this is what's weird to me. Once she gets on the boat, she sees two things. Pictures of the guy and his daughter. But no, no indication that her she's named Susie. Just a man, pictures of his daughter, which is not a, a inherently a suspicious thing. And then the keychain that we see that David Enger or whatever has in the very first Egan. scene, Egan, mm-hmm. the misdirect guy, the I love you keychain that rotates when you spin it, that spells it out when you spin it. She would never have seen that keychain. I don't know why that keychain would mean anything to her. To the audience, sure, it's a reveal. Like, we know she's on the boat of the dad. But she seems really perturbed when she starts to see that. And I'm like, I don't know why she would put this together. It doesn't. Why she know about that? Weird. Yeah. Like that. The she thing obviously that was weird, thinks it's the killer. The thing that was weird to me is that hung up next to the photos of him and his daughter are photos of the pageant that day with Sarah oh, Michelle Gellar on the float that. and is like her driving her car. No, it's real fucking photos. I was That's like, weird. he must have been at the Walgreens photo. <laughs> like, shop. Yeah, he was having Robin Williams develop these. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that is weird. But I mean, maybe we're to believe that she doesn't fully put it together until he kind of like because he does just out himself. He like identifies himself. Yeah, but she seems suspicious before that. And I was like, well, she wasn't with us when we saw the keychain. She sees her hat. She sees her green hat that she's wearing in the first scene too, hanging there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's the first thing she sees. And then she's like, that's fucked up. And she goes in the room and then she sees the wall with all the photos. Wait, what hat? When she arrives from Harvard, she has the silliest blossom green hat on. Yeah, she does. And that's hanging in his boat when she gets on. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. It was creepy. Oh, okay. Well, that then that's, that's pretty good evidence that he's been stalking you. <laughs> that, yeah, um, that he's your stalker. But I have to commend her for the fight she puts up here. She crawls through every layer of ice and all through the boat and locking doors behind her. The cheapest looking her, ice I've ever getting, seen in my life. I know. It doesn't look realistic. It's not convincing at all. It took me the whole scene to figure out what it was supposed to be. What? Jay, it's of course ice. They're on a fishing well, boat. Well, I, I don't know anything about fishing boats. I was like, is it, it looks that unconvincingly like ice that when Jay saw blocks of things in a place that ice would naturally go, it didn't occur to her that it was How ice. do I know what goes on a fishing boat? It wasn't until I saw the dead bodies in it that I was like, oh, it must be That's ice. so funny. Yeah, it wasn't very convincing. So she uncovers Elsa's body. She uncovers Max's bodies. They're all like in this like weird fish cooling area on the boat. And she is like slamming locking doors behind her and he's opening them behind her and she's crawling through layers and and it's it's a very trans terrain fight battle yeah she's up she's down let me ask you this connor yeah would you not just jump off the boat into the water yeah i mean you can they just can't be that far away yeah they can't be that far away and like maybe i'm wrong but it's like i know how to swim like i would just jump off the boat like even if it were very far like what am i gonna do like there's nowhere to go on a boat yeah definitely i jump off the boat how does ray get on the boat he, he takes just a catches little, them um, oh you're right yeah, he okay, takes, okay, like, okay, little, okay okay he gets in his own out. little boat and he literally leaps out of the motorboat onto the boat yeah. 
He's got his own battle going on with the fisherman. He drags him behind. A, he, he gets beat yeah, up. He gets thrown over and they're just dragging Ray by the fisher Which net. Which would kill you. And then he literally utilizes his upper body strength to get back on the boat, which I was crazy. so impressed. He crawls onto the ship. It's all the ice. It's all the bodies. It's all the fighting, whatever. And of course, finally, he's eventually foiled by his own fucking getting trapped in his fisher net. <laughs> so... Ray has been defeated. He's on the ground. He's been in and out of the water. He's been thrashed around. Julie is cornered. The fisherman lifts his hook to come down and kill her finally. And his hook gets caught in the net. I was like, oh, my (laughs) God. Are you fucking kidding me? And Ray seizes the moment to, like, you know, drop a pulley or pull a rope or whatever the fuck. Yeah, there's, like, a sailing hook dangling, and he thrusts that. A lot of hooks in people's stomachs. A lot of pulleys. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of pulley systems. And he and it lifts him up immediately into the air until his hand with the hook that he's holding a hook crashes into the pulley system and it basically like dehands him mm-hmm. and it f- throws him over the the boat into the water, which is yeah. like convenient and it just works out. It's all very dramatic and fun. Before he goes over, he does have a good like villain last line where he says, um, "Oh, this is important." Where he says, "A word of advice." Ne- yeah, a word of advice. When you leave a man for dead, make sure he's really dead. And I have to say good advice. TBH, good advice. Yeah. Insane. This was like... Good advice they don't follow right here. <laughs> good advice that they ignore immediately. I mean, okay, so I'm going to read Jay's note out loud. It's a ramble. Why is this guy so <laughs> fucking mad? TBH, like he is just evil. Like it sucks he got <laughs> left for dead, but he killed the boyfriend and he's torturing you guys and killing other people indiscriminately. Like he was a killer before you hit him. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning about Ryan Philippe saying he was a crazy hook killer, uh, d- they did everyone a favor, was right. <laughs> and I think it's true. It's like, what the fuck? Like, your daughter died in a horrible car accident. I And I think they this is the trope for a lot of people. Like, I used to have a daughter I loved, and so now I'm obsessed with you, and I'm going to chain you in my basement and shit like that. But... It is like Sir, this is deeply about you. This is actually not about my crime at all. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he did kill a lot of people indiscriminately. You're right. Max, the cop, the sister, like he's murdering just mm-hmm. to murder, to torture people. Um yeah. but so this is like one of the funniest fucking moments. And um in my live watch, you can see that I actually it's the only time in the movie where I just laughed out loud. <laughs> Julie and Ray are sharing a moment on the dock now that they're safe. You know, Helen and Barry are dead, which is too bad. But these two have made it out alive and they've got each <laughs> other. And she says, he says to her, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about Missy. I wanted you back. No one gets me the way you do. And she says, I understand your pain. And they embrace. And it's the same. I can't tell if in the scene they're referencing when they said that that night on the beach or just the movie is referencing it and they just happen Mm -hmm. to be using similar verbiage. It's so weird and it's not even a good line to recycle. I just don't understand it. But my favorite fucking part of this whole movie, a cop comes over and he (laughs) says, do you have any idea why this man would want you dead? And they both go, nope. None. No, Don't even hesitate none. immediately. And I'm like, so then lesson learned, right? Like, we're just still yeah. going to lie. The fact that like, and I guess what's the incentive for telling the truth now that the secret's really buried? But it's like, wait, I didn't know that was the point. I didn't know Julie and Ray and Helen were torn up with guilt because they thought they might get found out. I thought it was their conscience. But now that the dad is dead and no one's stalking them, they suddenly don't have any conscience. And they're actually like, yeah, no, we're going to stick with the lie. We have no reason to know. And it's like, well, so then what's torturing you? Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. I don't think 
my conscience would be tortured once I figured out that the guy was a fucking psychopath. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah, I guess you're right. They're like, now it's like fine with us that he's dead. And we didn't even kill him. Wait, I disagree with you. Jay wrote a note here. How could you ever get back with Freddie Prince Jr. once you know he had an affair with that sister? He's creepy. I disagree. I actually think it's very sad and sweet that he was so tortured with guilt that I don't think he went over there to fuck the sister. I think he went over there to like find out about who this guy is and because he's so sad. And then because human emotions are complicated and nuanced and layered, something else weird maybe almost happened that it sounds like didn't even happen. You know what I mean? I don't think he's creepy yeah. if he liked Anne Heche. I think, if anything, he probably had a soft spot for her, and that was confusing, you know? Yeah. I anyway, don't they don't go I into just, it at all. This is a complete conjecture. They don't, they don't go tell into us it at all. all. But It's honestly like a very I, – I like, I agree. I think it's like a very interesting layer to Freddie Prince Jr.'s character that they would have done really well to, like, delve into at all, but they yeah. didn't. Um, and, well, and it's just up to us to, like, guess why – but I don't know. I just feel like the reason that you had before to not continue to date Freddie Prince Jr. is that like what has happened is so weird and so mixed up in negative feelings for you that you like can't associate. And I feel like this would just even further be that where it's like you're like and I don't even really not understand how Freddie Prince Jr. could find himself in that situation. I just feel like if I were Jennifer Love Hewitt, I would be like, this is so messed up and tangled. I cannot. Yeah, it's weird how suddenly she doesn't feel the way she felt where she's like, I don't want to know you. Like, it's still, even if you're not sorry the guy's dead, and even if you're like, whatever, he was a psychopath, fuck him. It's still like, this was just so traumatic, I don't want to think about it. I would like to start over. And she just suddenly doesn't feel that way. Yeah, and it's like, and you so obviously don't feel that way, because you're following me around, you're going over to Anne Heisch's house and flirting with her. And and I don't even think that that makes you a bad guy, but it does make you somebody that doesn't understand what I'm trying to do, which is never fucking think about this again. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So again, they don't they don't find the body at the end of the movie. They they're just like, oh, it'll wash up in a couple of days, and they're like, good enough for us. That works every time. And then they jump to a year later. But this is again, I was like, oh, this is the shower scene where they like write on the mirror and they like they spoof this a lot. But I I don't think we can say definitively this was the original, but it's definitely one of the stronger examples of the cliche. But um, definitely, they've got her boobs pushed to high heaven oh yeah in this towel she's flirting with ray on the phone you know i'll let you ravage me in a few minutes and he's like what are you wearing and she's like oh it's so dorky i'm like oh my god it's so corny and lame but um so funny because she has her portable landline with her in the shower and then when she comes out her roommate's like mail for you julie and i literally thought to myself you would be fucked up about getting mail forever. And I said this yeah. with about the mom, but like just anything addressed to me. Like, nope, yeah. pass. And it's a great fake out because she opens it and it's a pool party. And it's like, pool party this summer? Like when you're like, ah, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But when I mean, she I goes, felt that way when she turns around and walks into the fog-filled bathroom. I was like, no chance am I going in here where I can't see anything. And I'm like, what is your heat setting set to? Like, this is dangerous <laughs> for you to be in here producing this much fucking steam. Um, and he writes it on the mirror soon. So, or wait, what is it? I still know. That's what it says. I still know. Yeah, which yeah. is so good. I still know. And then the ender, someone jumps through the mm-hmm. mirror and the movie ends. Which obviously we know there's many more of these. At least there's a second one with um Sarah Jessica Parker or with um excuse me Jennifer with Love Freddie Hewitt. Prince. Too many triple yeah. names. Um, which we will be watching next. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna have to see how they maybe they pick up exactly in that moment in the shower scene. I honestly don't know. Um, mm-hmm. 
but Either. it was such a good ending. I, I just thought it was great. It ended and I was like, pretty good. Pretty fucking good. I mean, yeah, it's campy. I mean, I, yeah. It's campy. It's, it's not campy. totally self-serious. It's fun. Yeah, the ending is like a perfect example of like this movie was made to entertain. Like it's not just scary. It gets you excited for the yeah. second one. And I wrote like, classic Kevin Williamson setting himself up for season two. Absolutely. The yeah. one thing about him is he loves a cliffhanger. That's a So fact. Jay, I think what we said we would do is rate it on watchability and rate it on Freddie's performance. Yeah. I mean, watchability high. I would give I'm it giving it a 10. Nine? Fuck it. I'm giving yeah. it a fucking 10. I would it's watch it so again. Watchable. It was literally good. Watch it yeah. with all your friends. I mean, it's just not an Oscar movie. It doesn't want to be an Oscar movie. What it no. wants to be, it is perfectly. What the I, movie it's trying to be, it is perfectly. It's so watchable. It's so good. I really love it. Um, I think Ryan Philippe is at the bottom of the list on acting and, and, but I do think Freddie Prince Jr. is right over him. I just don't think he's even in the top two. The girls kick both butts. I think yeah, no one comes butt. close to Sarah Michelle Geller, but I do think Jennifer Love Hewitt has her moments. I just think she mm-hmm. is of that genre of that, cl- of that class that generation of actresses where it was like no one ever really expected her to act very hard like Mm -hmm. jennifer uh love hewitt is doing body and breast acting the entire movie like that is just (laughs) what she is doing and it's like she gets moments i'm not gonna take it away from her when she screams that what are you waiting for when she's scared when she finds the note and she cries she does acting but I just would argue that Sarah Michelle Gellar is a is an actress who is acting and happens to be pretty. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is a pretty girl who can pull off a scream, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Jennifer Love Hewitt's role is easier to play. She's the yeah. main character, so she just has to be, like, not offensive yeah. and, like, scream on time. And she nails it. Like, she does a good job. She carries this movie the way that that role has yeah. to carry the movie. But Sarah Michelle Gellar is like, there's layers. She's giving different emotions. But it's like, the same thing with her and like, can't hardly wait. If you watch that movie, it's like, they just put her, she was the Sw- Sydney Sweeney of her time. It's like, they don't even expect her character to be a character. They've just dressed her body for you to look at that. And it's like, that's just a very generational, like that was what we were doing to actresses in 1997. And yeah, I, I mean, I I'm not sure it's generational because like, you just named Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, exactly. I definitely think that's what they do to Sydney Sweeney, where it's like, let's not even yeah. write a character for her. I don't disagree that that's what they're doing here, but I do think that it's like she didn't write that role. She did yeah. just give them what they wanted. And yeah, and she did it well. You know what I mean? That's not a crime. Yeah, she did it well. Like maybe if they'd given her something else, she would have been able to do something else, but we'll yeah, never know. That's what they gave her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that. Ryan Philippe is overdoing it in every scene. I think that Freddie Prince Jr. is pretty bad and that Ryan Philippe just happens to be worse. That's really the truth. I think I, I completely agree since we're talking about specifically Freddie's performance. Yeah, I think and just maybe I'm letting what I know about the, the situation with the director color it. But I do think it's a misdirection choice. Like I do think that yeah. they didn't give Freddie enough they didn't give him anything to ground him in like a character that you could trust or fall for, which is crazy because there is like a weird amount of backstory going on. Just none of it comes from Freddie Prince Jr. It comes from the other characters talking about Freddie Prince Jr., which makes me think they just didn't like give Freddie a chance to like get into it. Um, and I don't think that's his fault. Yeah, totally agree. I'm going to give his performance a four. Yeah, I was thinking four too. 
Yeah, it was a great one, though. This was a really good one. And it was an amazing kickoff to season one. Um, It was an amazing kickoff to season two. Um, (laughs) You guys... Go follow our Patreon. Watch us watch these movies live. We actually had so much more fun doing it than we expected. If you love Freddie P like we do, go to secondshowing.com and buy some Prince is King merch. Jay, mm-hmm. do you have anything else to add? Um, up next is I Know What You Did Last Summer too. It's We'll see you then. I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> see you then. Bye. I Know What You Did Last Summer is the property of Columbia Pictures. It was written by Kevin Williamson and Lois Duncan. I'm directed by Jim Gillespie. This episode of Second Showing was produced, recorded, and mixed by Connor Riley and Jordan Riley. Art by Connor Riley and music by Lee Rosaveri. You can follow our podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at Second Showing Pod, spelled with a number two. Send us a DM and we can mention you on the pod. You can join our Patreon for exclusive content and stream Second Showing anywhere you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. 